This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. Regular listeners may note that out of all the themes our stories touch upon, parenting is probably at least in the top three. Whether the teller is looking back on their parents, examining themselves as a parent, or considering the prospect of becoming a parent someday, these relationships are rife with storytelling potential. This week's story from teller Rick Walker manages to combine all of the above in a story about how he reconciles his memories of his own parents with who he is as a new one. Recorded live in November 2021, Second Story is proud to present Good Cope, Bad Cope. The two policemen flanked him, a tall, lean man. He wore rollerblades, and though his upper body was very still, his wheeled feet went back and forth in opposition. He wasn't wearing much else, just jean shorts, cut very Daisy Dukesish, no shirt, just a tan and a mop of dirty blonde hair. The two Amsterdam police officers gently questioned him. Were you upstairs in the hostel? No. You were seen falling down the stairs. Shrug. Were you in the room upstairs? No. Multiple people say you were. Shrug, feet rolling back and forth. Now I watched the interaction perched on a bar stool, sipping a local brew, La Trappe Duple, astonished at how calmly the Dutch police officers treated this obvious criminal. Two minutes in, I realized they suspected him of stealing passports. Five minutes in, I realized I could see two passports peeking over his back pocket. Will you identify yourself? No. Please? No. Do you have a passport? Yes. May I see it? No. It's in your... It's in his back pocket from the other side of the common room. Oh. Do you have a passport? No. In your back pocket? No. I can see it. I can see two of them. No, you can't. Well, what is in your back pocket? Nothing. This was the most brazen attempt at gaslighting I've ever seen. The Dutch police officers, or polizai, but it's spelled like polites, they were very, very polite. Now, I live in Chicago. I have never seen polites before in my life, or even patientees. With very few exceptions, I've only known police on the spectrum of gruff to aggressive. Over my beer, I said, man, bust his ass. But they continued with the man for another 20 minutes or so, finally convincing him to remove the passports from his back pocket. But still, he asserted that they were his own. Even after he failed to guess the name on either passport, he still claimed ownership. Finally, the police told the man that they had to arrest him. As the female cop carefully placed handcuffs on his wrists from behind, the male cop said, I'm sorry, but we have to arrest you for cause. They apologized. He chuckled in resignation, and they gently rolled him away. No voices raised, no body slammed, nobody shot. My experience with police in the U.S. has never included the word sorry. 
Uh, there was a time five or six years ago when I saw this man on the street. He was drinking a beverage that was inside a paper bag. Now, I'm assuming it was a fine Mogan David 2020. At least a Mad Dog 2020 is the only thing I ever drink from a paper bag. As the squad car pulled up, the young man dropped the beverage away from him. A police officer approached the man. Why did you throw that on the ground? What you talking about? This, this right here, touching the bottle with his tactical boot. That's not mine. I saw you throw it down. Nah, give me your ID. Why? Because I told you to produce identification. Well, I don't gotta do that. Give me your ID right now or I'm going to arrest you. Why? ID, no, body slam, viral video. Police chief said the officer acted appropriately. All this is to say, I've been trying to figure out how to deal with my two-year-old son. Now, he turned two on, on November 7th, so the last few months have been centered around him asserting his will at all times. I get it. He doesn't know that I'm now running late to a meeting that I need to attend after I drop him off at his grandma's house as soon as I get the oatmeal off his shorts because the dish towel on his lap made him mad and I finally found his second shoe. It was behind the toilet because of course it was behind the toilet, but now he won't walk to the car because he wants to be carried, but I can't carry him, my bag, and the pack and play at the same time. So why walk to the car when he can stand there screaming, no, 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 no. I just want to get to the car, not deal with my neighbors calling children's services because it straight up sounds like my son's yell shriek means he lives in torture house. And then the combo platter of my emotions and the way I was raised kicks in and I hear my, my father's voice say, I'll give you a reason to cry. Only the warning is coming out of my mouth. The house I grew up in was much more like the second police encounter than the first. For my dad, the third straw was the final straw, as in, I'm not asking a third time. Because I said so, was my mother's favorite explanation. Shame, spank, slap, well, those were common punishments, though my mom could dole out a good pinch if you squirmed too much on the pew, giving me more insight than the reverend when it came to my understanding of the Old Testament God. In my mind, I have a picture of my baby sister in her high chair, defiantly refusing to eat what my father put on the tray. You know, being a two-year-old. As her dinner rebellion grew, so did my father's frustration. My brothers and I, we knew the signs. We exchanged glances silently. Shelley yelled, threw over her bowl in an instant. My father slapped her hard across the face. A little baby. A second of silence. And then wailing like her little world broke. I looked at my brothers, 12 and 15. They looked down, poking at their food. I looked at my father. The same man who could bring us to tears of laughter with his spot-on impressions of snagglepuss and goofy or by using his endless supply of hilarious poop euphemisms. The embodiment of the comedy and cruelty of the world. I looked at him and he didn't seem angry anymore, just embarrassed. I never understood that, how a, a grown man could strike a little baby like that. 
until I had my own kid. I mean, I'd like to think that I would not strike my son like that, but I understand. My emotional side recognizes the, I'm the mightiest lion on the savannah, also known as this house, hear my roar. I get it now. But understand, I am, I'm old to have a new baby, and I have mellowed with age like a fine cognac. I've spent decades learning to be comfortable with myself, coming to terms with this world and how I fit in it, figuring out when and what is worthy of an emotional response, slowly evolving. And then I had a kid. I am more patient and thoughtful than ever before, but <laughs> my son's baby rage, it, it tests me. His oppositional disposition, it gets me off balance. I must fight my deep-seated instincts and the relics of my own upbringing. I've, I often say I escaped childhood. In some ways, I mean, my parents did a great job. My, my siblings and I can talk to just about anyone, make polite conversation. We love travel and the world where we're interested in arts and culture. But I also believe that the tools of shame and threats let me enter adulthood fearful and untrusting, unable to really be close to anyone. And like everyone, I think about what kind of parent I want to be. Now, I know my parents did the best they could with how they were equipped. But being an old dad, I've gained some measure of wisdom. When it comes to parenting, I've been thinking about what are the values I want to instill and how do I demonstrate them? I want my son to be raised by Dutch police. I want to be a politey. I want him treated patiently and gently. I want him to know he is respected. I want him to learn valuable lessons from punishment, not the coercion of pain. And I know this is going to take practice. The other day I was late for a meeting and I wanted to rush out when I said, Remy, come here, put on your shoes. And he said, no. And I don't like to be late. I mean, I, I want to be respectful of my colleagues' time. But in that moment, I decided to be respectful of his time and go at his pace. Besides, my, my meetings are important to me and my colleagues, but are they important, really? I mean, <laughs> no cancer is being cured. We aren't reversing climate change. Frankly, we won't even agree on an attendance policy. So I took a deep breath and I sang, yes. And he sang in response, no. Yes, yes. No, no. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Yes, yeah. No, no. And then we laughed together while we put on his shoes. My earliest memory is my father rubbing my hands and feet with a kitchen towel trying to warm me up after I played in the snow too long. I was probably three or so. And even though my hands and feet hurt with cold, and the towel felt rough on my sensitive skin, I remember knowing this was an act of tenderness and love. I have no idea what my son's earliest memory will be when he grows up. I doubt he'll remember wanting to hold only Dad's hand and go fast down the street. 
or sitting on my lap to read rhyming books or just to snuggle in close. Whatever that first memory, best case scenario, it's filled with respect and care and tenderness. But I'm really hoping his first memory, his, his earliest memory, is us laughing together. This story was produced by Lauren Peters, curated by Jim Lupo, and directed by Liz Rice. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walder Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.